Welcome back to the Quiet On Set podcast powered by Cineman. I'm Ewan Graf and as always, I'm joined by Lachlan Teeley. The Oscar nominations were announced. Ewan and I will discuss our thoughts on this very super important, nothing else matters at this current point in time because the Oscar nominations were announced. It doesn't matter. There's people dying. There's like wars happening. Doesn't matter. The Oscars were announced. That's the most important thing. The Oscars, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Yes. I tried to catch up with some of them, the stuff that I haven't seen, some of the things that snuck its way in there and made big drama for the Academy. I also caught up with uh, The Last of Us unit as well. So we'll be talking about uh, episode two of that show as well. Finally, our big conversational piece of the week. It's a movie that has stunned audiences around the globe and it's also put Paul Mescal on everyone's sexiest man alive lists. That's right. <laughs> this week, I finally caught up with Ewan's favorite film of last year, After Sun. It took you long enough, so uh, let's waste no more time and cue up that intro. We are professionals. This is, this is a professional podcast. Yeah, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Hello there. <laughs> Which actually, did you this get is gonna me a hat a as bit... well? Um, yes. So I've got Dune Cam. <laughs> It's just a camera <laughs> with my Dune steelbook. Welcome back, Lachlan. We're back. I'm very excited about this week's episode. Not so because much. of Afterstone, of course, just because we get to talk about Oscars and the prestigious Oscars, and this drama. Course. And people care. Wow. Uh, no, I uploaded some of the content that I made around, um, I guess, Oscars, and someone commented, like, imagine caring about the uh, like awards. I was like, for a second, yes, yeah. I guess I don't really care, but the content around it is kind of fun to make. Um, but ultimately, this doesn't matter, uh, especially for some of the th things that made it in here, right? We we don't need the legitimization from uh, an academy of, of voters, but it, it's still, I, I guess, a fun one to catch up with some stuff that you haven't seen. For me, that yeah. wasn't an, uh, like a lot. Well, I mean, to, to add on to what you said, like, like, who the fuck cares about these prestigious awards? Like, these yeah. people make enough money uh and honestly it's it's more of a recognition of either someone's very big uh i guess process into either getting into a character i think you know best actor and best yeah. actress and supporting is very important um and i sometimes mm -hmm. i like i watch the oscars because there are going to be some of those films that just really deserve some recognition and i'm yeah. really hoping to see everything everywhere all at once do a clean sweep for being such an independent masterpiece mm -hmm. and has somehow Agreed, yeah. been this very successful commercial film. Uh, but on top of that yep. as well, I mean, there's just these awesome foreign films and docos and shorts that you probably never heard of and then they get yeah. nominated and you, they finally get onto your radar. So that's also something very exciting. But yeah, let's get into, mm -hmm. you know, Oscar nominations. Uh, yes. Oh, what, what, I want to tag on to everything everywhere real quick because... That has really re-released, sorry, in the States in over a mm. thousand theaters. So it's it's adding on to its, I think, a hundred million plus run, which is really unseen uh, like for, for an indie film like that to do this well. I feel like pretty much for all of the at least uh, top 10 um, Best Picture nominees, they've done fairly well at the box office, uh, other than maybe one or two of them are. Uh, but yeah. it, it's not really small movies that get in here. And to, to maybe answer your question a bit for like who cares about the Oscars, I think it is like the industry people. But the less 
eyes and interest that is going to be on the Oscars, the less they are going to care about it. So we might see a shift away um, as like they become more and more irrelevant from like that a late fall release of like these prestigious films that try to aim for those awards. The biggest winner of the nominations was Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, raking in uh, a staggering amount of 11 nominations in total uh, for Best Picture, of course, Best Director, Best Screenplay. He got three nominations in the acting, no, four nominations in the acting categories for Michelle Yeoh, KQ Kwan, Stephanie Sue, and Jamie Lee Curtis. So pretty much everyone who was in that film uh, ended up being nominated. Uh, it got uh, some of the tech nominations as well. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, I'm glad to see it be recognized in that way. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, you must be happy about that as well, right? Uh, definitely. Uh, over, I mean, I saw everything everywhere all at once early on in the year. So when it comes to yeah. the technical achievements, there have been some other films that have come out that I think are more deserving of that, but I would really love to see, even though my prediction is not going to be this, I would love to see Best Director for the Daniels. And uh, I yeah. would definitely, and I think it's one of the big front runners for uh, Best Picture. Uh, I'd be yeah. very mm -hmm. happy to see that take the top spot. But um, yeah, no, uh, yep. 11. But funnily enough, not the most surprising nomination amount. No. Because yep. uh, All Quiet on the Western Front got nine nominations nine of them exactly with yeah. banshees my gosh that's mm -hmm. a incredible feat especially for a foreign film as well and uh, i'm sure netflix must be absolutely yep. happy and over the moon with themselves that this is getting so <laughs> many nominations it's pretty much the the only uh, thing that got nominations i think uh, glass mm. onion snuck its way into best adapted screenplay because it is a sequel oh, yeah. uh so that's the only, I think, other big nomination that Netflix probably has gotten. It's also the most nominated German film to, to like, ever. Because uh, really? there was wow. the original uh, from 1930 that was an adaptation um, of, of the book, the novel that won the Oscar in, I think, 1930 or something like that. But that was an American film. Um, and I don't yeah. know how many nominations it got. Also, really different landscape. I think it was, like, the third Academy Awards. Uh, so they didn't have as many categories. Yeah, uh, but it swept uh, at the BAFTAs, especially. You saw it rise. I think you got like thirteen nomination nations at the BAFTAs. It, it was crazy. It was also the most. It was the most nominated film um, there by 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 a landslide. And um, yeah, it, it got into Best Picture. It obviously is going to win International Picture, I guess now, which makes it less interesting. Um, be before we continue with All Quiet because uh, there, there might be some interesting tech categories that it got and even got a screenplay uh, adapted, adapted, um, adapted screenplay um, nomination. There was a huge snub that I actually do care about, and that was for Park Chan-wook's decision to leave. Uh. It didn't get a single nomination, not an in international feature, not in editing, not in cinematography, not that was maybe a bit of a long shot in Best Director, nothing. And uh, to to me that that's that's a misstep. That's really disappointing to see. Uh, what do you? Well, think? clearly wasn't as beloved as the other film. So, sorry, Ewan. Your other vote, than the, the uh, donkey does not matter. film, and the, yeah, the I mean film. they do love. I I still haven't seen EO. It's one of the films that I think has played in theaters, but I've I've also had a ticket when it played in Gun, and then it didn't go because I thought like it's just a donkey film. But I, I guess now I'm regretting it. 
I mean, The Quiet Girl, the Irish film, is great. Uh, I caught up with that one. Uh, Close was my second favorite film, other than the film we're talking about later today, After Sun. So I'm happy that got in. Uh, but Argentina 1985, I guess, won the Golden Globe. Uh, so it's definitely like one of the films that I guess is, is a lock now to, to uh, get in. But um, to me, that was really just like a uh, standard court drama that I guess was interesting uh, like from what it was about. But um, I didn't really love it as a film. Uh, I mean, it's, I guess, a strong year for in, uh, international films. Uh, but still disappointing to see one of my favorites uh, not get recognized in any sort of way. Especially if it is just, you know, for more people to, to go seek it out. And it's a bit of a miss for a movie. Uh, maybe they should have done a bit more campaigning uh, for that film. I might, that might be... Because they're a newcomer, you know, that, that they might be yeah. um, not as... But, but, well, worse than that. Uh, lock on. Elvis got eight nominations. I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> Banshee's got, got nine. We, uh, we mentioned that. Fableman's got seven. I think that's the top contenders. Do you want to... Uh, Read out the best picture uh, 10 lineup then. Me? I can do that? Yeah. Oh, thank you for yes. letting me have this honor. Yeah. So in the uh, best picture category, ladies and gentlemen, there were 10 films that got in and they are as follows. Everything, everywhere, all at once. All quiet on the Western Front. The Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis. The Fablemans. Tar. Triangle of Sadness. Women Talking, Top Gun Maverick, and Avatar The Way of Water. Those were the films yes. that landed in the best picture category. Ewan, mm -hmm. thoughts? I mean, I called nine out of ten of these when we did our predictions. I had Flex? After Sun in here just because <laughs> I was... I, I, well, I, I just really was rooting for it. And I'm really happy, by the way, that Paul Mescal did get... His uh, lead actor nomination. He got one really nomination. Really happy about that. One. It, I it. mean, that was the most likely one. If it got like screenplay, I would have literally flipped my chair. Flipped? Probably. Wow. Uh, it would have been amazing. Yeah, I, I was very excited for him to get in. Um, but yeah, I mean, the number ten slot was up for contention. Maybe even eight. But uh, Triangle of Sadness ended up getting in with just two nominations overall. Ruben Östlund somehow got a best director uh nomination which i thought was a bit out there but i don't know it, I, i'll take it over baz lerman uh, who didn't get one and women talking got adapted screenplay and got into best pictures so those are definitely like the bottom two of these because they didn't get any other sort of uh recognition when it comes to nominations but the whale was one of the films that might have made its way in there but it didn't get anything i think besides uh brandon frazier's acting nomination um, yep. So that was uh, one that underperformed, didn't even get screenplay. Uh, that was a wild category as well to see. Uh, Luckily, it's been one of the years where other than, I think, Women Talking, you've seen all of the films in here, right? Have you seen Triangle of Sadness yet? Uh, I have not seen Triangle of Sadness ah, okay. yet. So it's only so two that you haven't seen it. I've only got two, yeah. Um, there's a yeah. number of films that I haven't seen this year, mainly because they haven't come out yet in Australia. Uh, the Whale comes mm -hmm. out next week, so I'll finally be able to go and see that in cinemas, which I'm quite excited for. Uh, but to, yeah. like, to name a couple of the, the, the big ones that I haven't seen, uh, you know, other than The Whale uh, for actor and actress, I've got Living in Causeway. I haven't seen those. And To Leslie, I haven't seen that yeah. either. 
Uh, in the mm. animation department, I'm still yet to see Puss in Boots, and I never saw The yeah. Sea Beast. Uh, cinematography, Empire of Light, I've yet to see that. Uh, but I do mm. know I'll probably enjoy visually because it is Roger Deakins and everything he touches, that man turns into, like, liquid gold. Uh, yeah. Well, Bando, well, we, False Chronicle, yeah. and A Handful of Truths. You told me to stay away, Bando, but yeah. whatever. Uh, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. But other than that, I mean, <laughs> yeah. the only other films that I haven't seen are going to be the the, doc, the docos of both, you know, uh, feature length yeah. and short and... Uh, a couple of the international films plus uh, shorts. I haven't seen the shorts either, which is typically the the, the way it goes. I I don't think I've seen a single one of the short films at like any of them of all ten of them. I haven't seen a single yeah. one. But I I have I mean, pretty much seen when every will you other, go watch them? Film. Yeah. Where? When? <laughs> I don't know when and where would you go watch them. It's really hard to go see them. But there was actually funnily enough. Uh, there's one uh, animated uh, a stop uh, a stop motion even that was uh, really close to where we studied film, just um, up like one town up in a different university uh, was done there. So like I I was really, wow. really happy to see yeah at the Griffith uh, University. Oh, um, good thing. Yeah, one of them got in, uh, and that one is really pleasant. I like that one. I hope that one wins. Uh, Which one's that one? Uh, well, we'll get to it in in what we've been watching because I did catch up oh, with some okay. of the, the Oscar films. So if you're interested, I'll share my thoughts on something like Two Leslie uh, right there, which I guess ties me over to that film that had um, a bit of a, um, I guess, <laughs> a meme that came from it. Like the Academy is now looking into uh, the nominations or whatever. There's like <laughs> a meme on Twitter that I saw now because uh, like they announced to be investigating this because uh, Andra, Andrea Riceborough for her performance in Two Leslie a film that came out, um, I guess, earlier in 2022. Uh, no one mm. ended up watching it. It was a complete bomb, like, at the box office. Uh, ended up campaigning for herself, getting her, I guess, famous friends to create a bit of buzz around her, um, get the attention up. Uh, it got to voters, apparently, and she got in over... Like, I, I, I mean, she's not campaigning to kick someone else out, but I still... I am quite disappointed after having seen the film that uh, she got in over someone like uh, Danielle Detweiler uh, for her performance until I think she was definitely like actor, um, actor, <laughs> yeah, actor worthy for an Oscar. Uh, she was amazing in that film. Um, strongest point, part of it. Uh, just Viola Davis was one of my runner ups. She was in The Woman King, really had a physical uh, performance in there. And Dathan, as well as uh, like Gina Bife. Wood, I'm, I'm blanking on her second name there, but she's the director of The Woman King. Um, they've been on like a bunch of these talks that Variety does or whatever, like the roundtables. And whenever they speak, they have so much passion about that, like a film like this, a, a black, black female-led um, period piece with action is never getting made because the, the money's not there. And I feel like it's like doubly unfortunate that like, a white woman just by campaigning gets over them and they get completely shut out. Uh, I think Deadweiler would have been over Viola Davis regardless, so she would, wouldn't would have gotten recognized. But still, it's uh, to me, it's not a great look that, like, yeah. you know, uh, who ends up in there. And I think her performance in Two Leslie isn't even that great, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I, I don't see it at all. 
Uh, but but yeah, that's that. Uh, it's 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 a pity. But I mean, Ana de Armas is also in there for blonde, and I wouldn't have put it Shocker. put her in there. Ultimately, this is a race between Kate Blanchett, who gave her best performance of a lifetime. Same with Michelle Yeoh. It's gonna be between the yeah. two of them, and I'm rooting for both of them. I don't really care who wins. They were both amazing. Um, but yeah, it's a bit unfortunate, if I'm being honest. And Lachlan, if you think about Top Gun Maverick, what's the first thing that comes comes to mind? Like, what stands out for that film? Other than topless people dancing at the beach, okay? That's uh, no. <laughs> The number one thing that comes out in that film was yeah. best dialogue. So best uh, <laughs> adaptive screenplay. Um, best no. use of freezing time <laughs> and completely being in the golden hour for the entirety of the film. That was amazing so how I did that. I would say the, the three things are technicals, so editing, cinematography, and sound. However, if yeah. I go through those, if I look at film editing, uh, edit, editing, uh, you've got Banshees, Elvis, everything, Tar, and Top Gun. And as much as I enjoyed Top Gun's editing... I have to admit, I think everywhere has got that one as the yeah. as the main competitor for that. Uh, in mm -hmm. terms of cinematography, uh, it's not in there. It's not, yes, that's what I was getting. It's not to. in there. It's not in there. It was my front runner to win this. Shocker! But it's all Shocker, quiet. Right? Bardo, Elvis, Empire of Light, and Tar. Which I'm really happy about Tar. It's got some amazing cinematography. It does. It's not going to get it though. No, it's not getting it. It's it's, it's definitely going to, go going all, to quiet. all quiet now. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's going to sweep the tech stuff. Uh, I mean, it also deserves it. It would be one of the runner-ups for me as well. Empire of Light might be like Roger Deakins' weakest. It's, it's, it's fine. It definitely doesn't deserve to be Oscar-nominated here. Bardo is great. Elvis, get the fuck out of here. You're just like an ADHD-filled whatever on speed. Um, but it's crazy that Top Gun doesn't get in here. I feel like that's like, yeah. to me, that's its strongest thing to have like camera on Flight, uh, fighter chat. <laughs> that's that's the that's the appealing fail, uh, thing of at the At least, film. at least with the third technical uh, award being sound, it's yeah. it is in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I think it has a I think it has a good chance. I I do think it has a possible a, a really good chance of winning it. Yeah. Uh, it is against All Quiet as well, which I think that's mm -hmm. a very technically proficient film from last year uh nailing all of the uh you know the, the 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 meat of making a film sound editing and cinematography yeah. nails it all but i think top gun has a chance in sound uh since mm. it doesn't have a chance I, if, it, if it was in cinematography i could possibly say that it gets in there and it's probably going to win uh for yeah. the advancements it made with shooting in planes uh from yeah. one of the technical advancements and also just the the, the, the sheer beauty of it uh but because it's not mm. in there i think it has a possible chance of getting sound uh instead of just you know all quiet sweeping i'd like to see Top Gun get yeah. sound. Uh, dude i i feel like elvis even has a shot at sound just because like oh. the sound branch is sometimes like hey this is a music film let's give it that yeah. I mean, the Batman is also in there. I would probably give it to the Batman. I love the soundscape in there. No, uh, it didn't. I think the the Batman didn't get a score, which I, I I've been listening to the Babylon it's score, a, yeah, on and off again. It's I, such I thought a the bar. Batman. It's I thought the Batman score was good, but Babylon has got score in the bag. That's that's a 
Yeah. I think... Uh, I would be very surprised if... if what else yeah, is in the school? Banshees, everything, and Fablemans. Yeah, I don't think it stands a chance. I even All Quiet... And like, All Quiet. Babylon's yeah. score is the best thing about that film. Yeah, agreed. I, I gave it like a three out of five, right? I think I'm retroactively pumping that up to a three and a half just because I've been listening to the score more. Mm. It, it's amazing. Um, but I think notably a, a film that we quite enjoyed that didn't get any nominations was Nope as well. Uh, that yeah. was a bit disappointing to see. Uh, uh, not but even like I a guess, uh, yeah. original screenplay nod or anything. Because no, I thought it was a, a fun, enjoyable film uh, from at least a, an original standpoint. I think as well, it's yep. pretty pretty stunning uh, IMAX horror film. Never been done before. That's a that's a unique thing. Uh, but yeah. no, I think it's uh, I think it was a strong film when it came out. It's just that there's a lot of other films that came out with uh, with something that's the that they're just stronger at. You know, like I don't think mm. Top Gun Maverick is a better film than Nope, but I do think the cinematography is better in Top Gun. I I right, don't yeah. think uh, you know. Oh, do I think the Batman is better than Nope? Oh, that's a man. Now I'm really, now I'm really playing <laughs> with my uh. I have I have both four Ks, so I I, I like both on films. The action. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it's a bit of an interesting one that Nope's not even nominated for something. Uh, because yeah, it, it's definitely better than Us. Is it better than Get Out? I mean, did Get Out get anything? Yeah, it got a uh, best screenplay. Got best screenplay? Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised it's not in the same in the same category with the uh, best screenplay. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think Nope was more of a technical film. It was also nominated for best picture, uh, leading actor, and direction yeah. back in 2018, but nothing with Nope. Mm. And I feel like Nope was, well, I think Nope is his best. Yeah, I feel like the, it's uh, it's up there as well. It wasn't initially, but the more I think about it, I think it's. It's up there for me as well. I would Referring have definitely to Jordan Peele, I feel like it's his like best direction, and yeah. I also, I mean, I haven't read the screenplay. He gets I think, to I do more stuff, you know. Can I get? The yeah, we'll, we'll 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 get on to that. Uh, I'll, I'll get up my my uh, thingies and get <laughs> and get you the screenplays. Uh, but oh, no, no, I, I think I think we're pretty much uh, done with most of it. The only other big thing was like. There was some speculations. Are the Banshee boys getting in there? Or because like the in Banshee supporting boys. actor, it was really crowded. Are the Fabian boys in there? Or at least Paul Dano. No Paul Dano, but Judd no Hirsch Dano. for a single scene in Fabian's got in over them. But we, we did get Brendan Gleeson and Barry uh, Keoghan both um, yeah, in there. But uh, it was a Ewan. bit surprising. Yeah. This is completely off topic, but it's all about Paul Dano. Because I'm a bit sad that Paul yeah. Dano hasn't been nominated. But what was Paul Dano's yeah. best performance? Was it the Riddler or was it Spielberg's father? I think I liked him more as the father. The Riddler? If you ask damn me it. about Colin Farrell. I was going to say, because I, I thought he was better. And now my next question is Penguin or right. uh, whatever, the, whatever his name is in Banshees. Cole? Is that the other guy? Eyebrow man. I think there it's, it's hard. I, I love his performance in Banshees. I, I think he, he completely disappears in The Batman. It's so not awards recognized. He's great in it. I feel like he gets way more to do in Banshees. So I think I'd definitely mm. still go with Banshees over over Batman. But um, it, it's an amazing performance as well. I think if it were up to me, I, I'd put uh, 
the uh, after Yang performance over both of them. <laughs> he was amazing in after Yang. Oh yeah, no, after Yang will be my favorite performance of him of the year. But uh, mm. yeah, I feel like uh, the Batman had some pretty good, uh, <laughs> pretty good supporting actors in it. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, which that were all in true. very big. Uh, even oh shit, even Barry uh, Keegan as well. He was all, he was also yeah, in he Batman. was in there as well. Oh my god, is everyone yeah. in the Batman? Oh <laughs> god, that's crazy. I mean, I I I would like him and Paul Mescal. I'm really excited to see more of uh, Barry Keegan and Paul Mescal. I think they're. Yeah, oh, even Brian Paul Tyree Henry, as who made a Mr. bit of Freeze. Like, <laughs> I'd love to see twenty twenty four Irish Mr. Freeze. <laughs> He's like, yeah, no, I'm used to this weather. It's always shit up here, anyways. <laughs> and like that's his shtick. Yeah, no, that's his I, I'd love to see that. Anyways, we are doing our uh, awards prediction contest again. You can win a year of Letterbox Pro. We have linked below for the next couple of episodes leading up to the Oscars. Um, the uh, Google form that you can fill out if you get the most amount of, um, I guess, the winners right. Uh, there will be a raffle for those who, I guess, get the most uh, to win um, a year of Letterbox Pro. So participate if you want to. We'll be joining along as well and doing horribly as we've always had. Uh, but also closer to the awards themselves, uh, Lachlan and I um, are trying to catch up with everything still from 2022. And then doing our own little award show where we uh, recognize or get to shout out some of the films like Nope, or maybe even The Batman a bit more, or After Yang that uh, didn't get any awards recognition. Stuff that we believe, oh, sorry, stuff that we believe has been the best of 2022. So uh, we'll get to that uh, closer to the Oscars. So be on the lookout for that. But without further ado, Lachlan, let's talk about some movies that you've been watching. Yes, or movie and video game. I mean, TV show and yes, video game. TV. Because it's all media. We watched Last of Us episode two. That was good. Yes. You enjoyed, you it was enjoyed good. the second episode? Yes. Uh, I mean, I guess let's um, put up spoilers for episode two. Spoilers, episode two. Because um, I feel like we can't uh, uh, talk about it without mentioning that the story is progressing, I think, quite fast, but it needs to Very. be in this TV show. Uh, and there's some notable with changes, changes that they made. With a lot of changes, yeah. yeah. Also, I finished uh, Last of Us Part 1, by the way. Oh, I know the, you're still making you your way game? through it. Yeah, I finished it on my yeah. birthday. I had some technical issues, so I had to postpone actually playing it. Uh, but now, like later tonight of today's recording on Sunday, we're recording on Sunday, um, I'll be finishing the game, hopefully. <laughs> I don't know, maybe something will keep me from it. But I I'm very keen to, to finish it up, but... um. But yeah, what did you think of the episode? I I think it made me enjoy the show a bit more. That's the fun part yeah. about episode two is that I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed episode one. Funnily enough, I mm -hmm. went back and watched both episodes again, back to back, episode mm -hmm. one and then episode two, and it definitely made me enjoy episode one a little bit more. Uh, I, right. As I said, some of the dialogue that's taken directly from the game is sometimes just a little bit too like jarring and it's just there and yeah you know some people are really going to enjoy that but personally i just don't like that if you're going to adapt something and you're going to quote some stuff from the game it doesn't have to be every couple of minutes and at least yeah. give it some sort of breathing space and you know adapt the world around it because it will essentially just be all of a sudden here's another scene with word for word what happened and, I, and you know it's grown on me a little bit more 
it's not as jarring because mm. I wasn't, you know, it's not just right there happening in front of me. I've just sat and let it simmer a little bit. But for me, I think yeah. the, the, the best thing so far has been the changes they have made regarding the, the virus and also the fucking cold openings of each episode have been yeah. fantastic. Like absolutely yeah. fantastic. Uh, mm -hmm. is that the highlight for the show for me right now? No, it's not. But it is one of the things <laughs> I'm looking forward to. If they do something like this almost every episode, I'm I'm excited are, because yeah. it's going to it it, it it expands this world to be not just the US, which is one big thing yeah. that have always wanted to know about the Last of Us world is what about the rest of the world. Um, specifically yeah. Switzerland. I'd love to see how your country goes up against it, being <laughs> we'll surrounded be by other countries. Bunkers. Where Australia, we're we're by ourselves. We have no chance uh, unless we kick it in the right. ass. And you know, do you reckon a country with with borders or without borders is more successful? Granted that the US think, is both border and borderless. Uh, I, I think Tasmania is doing really well. Tazzy will, Tazzy will be fine. Tazzy will be fine in breads, man. They do it. They do it. They do it well. I I think every country is going to be uh, proper fucked, especially because they just bombed shit out of towns. Um, and <laughs> yeah. I, I think Switzerland has like a preparation plan to basically bomb everything that is not the mountains, so <laughs> where all the people live. I think we've had that plan since like World War Two. To Jesus. basically get rid That's of all dark. of the invading forces, uh, so so yeah, we we are a quite dark country when you look closer at it. Uh, but I I think Switzerland is gonna seem to be doing fine, but then they're actually just fucked. Uh, I yeah. think we would be proper. Let's um, let's get back to the Last yeah. of Us. I think we're going a bit too far into the. With the at, no, not, no, no, no. Let's a, continue. We're not, more a, we're not about a plague or a or a you know economics. disease podcast. We're a we're a, we're a <laughs> right. movie and TV and visual medium podcast. Yeah, um, did you hear about this like horse thing that you can take and it's supposedly. <laughs> oh right, we're one of those podcasts now, are we? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh -huh. First person who dies in the uh, zombie apocalypse is Joe Rogan. Uh, okay, so changes, chicha changes in the changes. Cha -cha -cha changes in the uh, wise words of David Bowie, I should say. It's chicha change, yeah, chicha changes. Which David Bowie is also a musical guest artist in After Sun, one of the songs. He is. He yeah. is. Yeah. Linking it all together. Linking it all together. Look at me go, dude. It's um, all connected. Okay. No spores. No spores. No spores. Interesting, right? Works mm -hmm. in video game. Definitely does. Does not work in movies and TV. That's a fact. Yeah. And they are changing a lot of things to work for the TV and movie space. That's a smart move mm -hmm. because not everything is going to be a one-for-one -one translation from game to screen. And they are doing yeah. it very well. One of the biggest yeah. changes and one I liked the most is the fact that the zombies are rare in the sense that the clickers are rare yeah. and the most of them die within a month or two months. And that is an exciting thing because it in the game, you have a bajillion of them because you have to have enemies. In a movie and TV yeah. show, you don't necessarily need them all that often because you're not going to be drawn in by the zombie aspect. You're drawn by the human connection aspect, which is Joel and Ellie. Bingo. Yeah. Also, the fact that they're all connected is an even cooler addition to this uh show and i'm really enjoying how it's kind of look there is the similarities here but we are our own thing 
with this virus. We're creating this own yeah. own canon world, and I'm enjoying how much I get. I guess a little bit more depth that's not technically canon with the with the games, like the the Joel and Tess are actually a thing storyline. Um, mm-hmm. But I am enjoying this extra exposition and it is hbo after all so it is hbo you need you need some uh yeah you need some stuff in there um but no i i i'm i'm falling in love with this show i i'm absolutely enjoying it and it's been renewed for season two as well exactly yeah i think what i really enjoyed about this episode is i guess like this is the big spoiler that that tess uh dies in this episode i I don't know completely about like her passing that moment um was a bit like let's do something artful but the moments before the way that pedro pascal portrays joe i feel like was a really effective uh the way that he's um it's different than the game as well uh, and they, they have actually like a podcast that they do with each episode. And I've, I've listened to that last night and I found it really interesting the way that they were encouraged to not play the games um, mm. to, I guess, have their own take on it. I think they since played it. But uh, to me, like this vulnerability that comes through in this really deeply hurt person, I think he portrays that and you can feel it. And that's hard to do. And it, it's not silly or whatsoever. It's not like cliched it, it kind of works there were some cliched things like there's some storytelling aspects with like them setting up and paying it off where i felt like that was a bit too much by the numbers and, and a bit too too safe with certain things where i was like okay well i know where the story is going or like the the test stuff was a bit too on the nose for me that like even people who don't know that something's up is like it's so obvious that something's up and i feel mm. like you could have that a bit more of a twist as well uh, but but yeah, overall, I feel like the show is is nailing it in all of the really important parts that that it needs to do. So I'm I'm, I'm keen. I'm I'm tuning in each week as soon as it drops. Joel is more human, I guess, in this show, in the sense that he's more yeah. of a a likable character, and he's not as dark as he is in the games, which I'm enjoying as a different side of Joel. You see him with Sarah a little bit more. You get a lot more of Sarah as well, which is nice in the first episode. Uh, but yeah. this Joel that we've got is not the same as the Joel we're used to in the games because that wouldn't work in the TV show. You need to have someone that you connect to, and he is, after all, this... He's still, he's still a very hard to, you know, relate to character. He's still very stubborn and very walled off with Ellie. Uh, but I think mm. that he's not as... I guess of a dark human being as he is in the games, and and that's that's a very good choice to not have him be as walled off as he is in the games, uh, because you need someone that you like. And my God, he is popping off. Everyone's loving Pedro Pascal as Joel. He's like all over social yes. media, and and he's he is all everyone's about daddy. Daddy, yeah, everyone's yeah. Daddy. like that's the meme, and he's really <laughs> yeah, nailing it with this role. Uh, he needs to stop taking yeah. dad roles, you know? He needs to start doing some roles where he doesn't no. have a child. <laughs> Play more. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but uh, Bella baby, as well. You know, sometimes be careful. Yeah, she's, she's great as well. I, I wanted to uh, touch on the, the, like, there's less clickers and less zombies overall in there. Uh, that was a bit of, um, uh, like, when they get overrun by those couple of zombies, I, I felt that, like, they should be a bit more capable, if that makes sense. Like, the way that they've been set up. 
I agree. They, I they disagree. Completely... Sorry, I disagree. I feel like they whiff it and they like, they like not good at it. That they they look like they look like me when I'm playing the game. I was like, what is this? I thought they were like just proficient zombie killers. But I, I like you you disagree. I disagree because they, as I said, they're making them more rare, so they wouldn't have come up against as many clickers as you might think. Where they right. know how to survive, they know where to go. You know, they call it the do you want to go the long way or the we're fucking dead way? Because they know that if they go in here, it's a massive risk. They know that they know yeah. how to take out zombies. They know how to take out, you know, take them down. It's really just killing them as many times as you can and a bullet to the brain is the way to go. But having them, I guess, scuffle with these clickers has, makes me understand that they're, these are rare creatures. They're not going to be as common as you might think. And that adds an extra layer of, you know, I'm terrified at this. So the fact that they aren't yeah. as capable as what you and I mean, I'm pretty efficient with killing clickers at this point. I've played the game like three or four times, five, six, seven, eight, nine times beforehand uh, yeah. with the fucking remaster and the original game. So like, I'm pretty efficient, but at first I was not. And that's I'm afraid. the scary I'll, part. I'll definitely die a couple of times tonight. Yeah. They definitely set it up to them being like more uh, of an actual threat uh but well we'll see i'm I'm really keen to see uh the rest of the season we got seven more episodes to go uh one i guess for us by the time you're watching this episode three is already out we haven't seen it yet but uh yeah really keen for that uh lachlan i've been uh catching up busy. with some films that uh yeah I've, I've been busy uh well i watched a whole bunch of the the short films as well for the Oscars. Uh, the only one I kind of want to give a shout out to is uh, the one that I enjoyed the most. And it's the one that comes from Australia as well. It's called An Ostrich Told Me the World is Fake and I Think I Believe It. It's a, it's a long title. It's a fun one. It's a stop motion film. has a lot of care put into it. And I think for a short film, it really kind of nails, you know, what you want to do. You want to make a memorable impression. Um, that was one of the highlights, uh, catch that if you can, uh, if you can find it somewhere, uh, all of the other ones, I feel like, are the typical type of, uh, Oscar shorts to get nominated. I think in animation, you got a bit more of a quality seal because it's less ex uh, uh, like accessible in a live action front. You do have a couple of stinkers in there, uh, especially in like the, the story based stuff, but the live action um docs are usually um quite interesting sometimes for me the highlight was haul out which was uh, about a guy like camped um up on i think the north pole or so somewhere like that where the ice caps are melting uh with a bunch of like walruses and i'm saying a bunch but i mean a ton an incredible amount of of walruses that are stranded there and uh yeah it's it's a it's a documentary that uh is like by the end of it um basically a, a uh, PSA like, hey, <laughs> this fucks up the planet and it's fucking with the ecosystems the way that climate change is, 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 is uh, fucking shit up. But it's, it's really impactful. It's really subtle because it's just, there's no narration. You just watch it and it's, it's uh, almost moving, moved me to tears. Uh, so it's, it's a great one uh, there. But other than that, I think you don't really need to catch up on 
those shorts films uh they might even be in like a commercial big regardless we don't know the oscars do some weird stuff okay so the next thing here i that i watched i i watched i was about to say like i don't know why i watched it. I, I know why i watched it i just wanted to to see how bad it is uh i, I watched velma uh the the uh hbo warner Bros. whatever series that's been got getting a lot of hate i think on imdb it's like the the lowest rated animated show of all time it's really really bad uh and it is really really bad i don't know it's just uh, like some critiques came in that it's like too woke and too liberal and it's just bad it's not even that it's just like really really bad uh and unfortunately like everyone who's been involved which like there, there's some like pretty big people involved in this um like mindy kaling who i i guess other than the office has has gone on to do a bunch of writing stuff that i haven't been really the biggest fan of uh but we also have glenn howerton who i really enjoy in always sunny there's there's quite a few like people who you might know from other uh comedy property the the uh, properties that were a part of this and it's just abysmal dialogue it should have been obvious that this is horrible and it is horrible, but I'll continue watching it and I'll, I'll give, I don't know if I'll mention it again because I don't want, like, it's, I don't know, it's like the PR that like, okay, it's bad. Let's see how bad it is. And then they'll continue doing the bad thing because people still watched, uh, which I don't know if I want to contribute to that, but it is what it is. I watched an anime. I finished an anime, not the one that I talked about, I think one or two weeks ago, uh, but Chainsaw Man. Uh, I started this a couple of months ago and now finished it. It's like, I think a Shogun, I think is what it's called, like a really action-based uh, uh, anime. And there's a whole bunch of action. Uh, I forgot how horny anime is, like at all times. It is so inappropriately horny and cannot, cannot calm down. Um, I think the whole premise of the show is like that the, the lead is just really horny and he does stuff to impress women. It's it's so weird. Uh, but by the time I think episode eight rolls around, it actually gets pretty strong. The last four or five episodes were quite intriguing. So I'll, I'll probably end up catching season two when it releases as well. Uh, then uh, Poker Face, uh, not the Russell Crowe directed film from last year, but uh, the Ryan Johnson produced and First two episodes directed by uh, Ryan Johnson. Um, mini series. I don't know if it will get a, a season two with Natasha Lyonne uh, in these like murder mystery esque scenarios. It's really fun. It makes no complete sense because Natasha Lyonne, the premise is that like she uh, basically has to run after episode uh, episode one to like all these different places and encounters people who uh, have murdered someone and she has like this thing where she can tell when someone's lying. Uh, so like that's how they go through and uncover these, these murders that, uh, that happen that don't appear to be murders uh, at the beginning of it, uh, all the while she's being chased around the country. It's a fun premise. It makes no sense, but it's, uh, it's really funny if you like murder mysteries uh, from Ryan Johnson. And I've been enjoying it. I'll definitely keep up with that show as well. Last two are two stinkers that's to stay away from. Uh, the Netflix film You People with Eddie Murphy and Jonah Hill uh, is like one of those. Uh, I'll, int I'll introduce myself to uh, your family and the families are like, I don't know, really strict or it's Robert De Niro or 
whoever it is, meet the Folkers or whatever, the, the 20 films that are in that genre. Uh, but usually it's like they believe, they, they just don't like you. And here it's imagine that, but uh, with race. And everything in this film is about race. These characters don't have an identity. All that they have is their race. And it's so incredibly reductive and boring. It's unfunny as well. Uh, and it just is really hollow by the end of it. And the, the, the two leads don't even have that much chemistry, which uh, I guess you kind of need to, to sell us on the love of them. Um, it, it really doesn't work. Uh, so that was a bit disappointing. I did have some, some hopes that it would be at least entertaining. And then last and also least uh, from Prime Video, we got Shotgun Wedding with, oh, what's her name? Jennifer Lopez. Uh, and uh, it's a, a wedding where there's shotguns. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, no, I guess she holds a shotgun at one point. So it's a shotgun wedding uh, where they are like on Bali and then there's pirates that come and uh, there's this couple who's about to be married and I guess they have to clean up and clean up on our five <laughs> i don't know <laughs> and kill them it's it's so stupid it's has some of the most horrific scores that i've ever heard in a movie ever it's it's horrible um i sat through it so you don't have to so please don't go watch shotgun wedding it's really not <laughs> worth it so that's all i've been watching i'm glad that i'm getting back to to better stuff tomorrow night with the last of us but lachlan let's talk about something that i've Rewatched for a third time last night. I couldn't, uh, like, one of my goals for this review is to <laughs> not cry on the podcast, which is a weird thing to set, but it's literally a goal of mine because this movie has moved me countless times, even like days after seeing it, it pops up into my mind. So we're talking about Charlotte Wells' After Sun. Sophie reflects on the shared joy and private melancholy of a holiday she took with her father 20 years earlier. Memories real and imagined fill the gaps between mini-DV footage as she tries to reconcile the father she knew with the man she didn't. Damn, that's a deep logline. Uh, I don't know how to sum this movie up. I, I think this is not like the best synopsis there could be for it, but it, it <laughs> because it's like, it, it doesn't tell you much, but it's also like, how would you sum up this movie? Um, but I guess it was enough for a lot of people to go check it out. It played earlier in Gun, then uh, is now available uh, in some places, I think, on Mubi. Or at least you can uh, rent and buy the film uh, now uh, on Letterboxd. It is already high up in the top 250 with a staggering 4.4 rating over there. I think when I made my notes uh, earlier that day, it was a 4.3 and it moved up to a 4.4. I like that trend. Give me more of it. Uh, unsurprisingly, on IMDb, it's not that high up. It's, re it's really good. It's uh, uh, 7.8, but it's, you know, <laughs> a lot of films that are still over it. Pretty much any Nolan film, probably. But on Metacritic, we're back high up with a 95. That's an incredible rating for a wow. film over there. So it really tells you the crowd that it's for. Uh, it comes in at a runtime of uh, only, two, uh, only 102 minutes, so quite a breeze to get through. It's a, it's a film produced by A24 as well as uh, BFI and a whole bunch of uh, involved parties, uh, more notably also Screen Scotland. Uh, this is a Scottish film. I kind of was a bit afraid that, you know, it's my favorite film of the year. So, you know, 
this is gonna be a five star from me. Uh, I can already take that away, obviously. But Lachlan, I was afraid that you might not have that much of a, t a good time with it because it is quite a, a heavy film to consume. And you uh, also, if you're not in the right mind state, right, you you like um, some some lighter films as well. So what did you make of After Sun? Well, you're correct, Ewan. I, I sometimes put off films because I need to be in a certain mind, state of mind mm -hmm. to watch them. And yeah. obviously I put it off till literally about six hours ago when I realized I had to watch <laughs> it for the podcast. Uh, yeah. As reference, uh, I didn't talk about it when in what I've been watching because I wanted to tell you now. There was only one other yeah. film that I watched this week that is the only other film that I can compare it to, and that's The Equalizer. Okay. <laughs> what? Why is that? Because there's a father-daughter dynamic with Denzel Washington and right. Chloe Grace Moretz. Uh, yeah. And very similar style of cinematography. And yeah. just so you know, I watched <laughs> a great action film, and then I watched this, which yeah. really made me appreciate something in this film. Yeah how fucking awesome cinema can be because the equalizer has a terrible thing with people's voices and mouths and dialogue. It's, it's just, it's okay, but I'm not watching <laughs> yeah. it for that. Don't like right? the stuff that comes out of their mouth. Yeah. The stuff yeah, that yeah. comes out of their mouth is terrible. If you want to watch something come out of their mouth, that's gorgeous. Uh, and still has uh, Denzel Washington in it. I can uh, recommend a recent film uh, by uh, one of the Coen brothers called, uh, the tragedy of Macbeth. However, this film, After Sun, has this incredible story that captivated me from start till finish. And mm -hmm. it might be because I'm on a very similar journey right now personally with my own home video recorder that I found and I've got the footage off mm -hmm. of that. It's very yeah. melancholic with the feeling right now. With this film yeah so i watched it yeah, at an yeah, yeah. excellent time uh mm -hmm. this film is gorgeous ewan uh i'm shocked yeah. that i hadn't watched it earlier but i'm also glad that i didn't because if i watched it you know when you first told me i should go ahead and watch it i didn't have that video recorder in my hands getting all the old footage yeah, off. Yeah. so i i it's interesting that films can kind of move you at a certain time of your life and you can go back and watch it later and something else has happened and you can get a whole nother feeling of it. But um, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not saying that I have a terrible relationship with my father, by the way. My, my dad is great. Yeah, like this is not like a like me looking back at my video recorders being like, wow, this holiday when I was 11. It's just that very similar idea where I yeah. have my old home videos that I'm looking at. Yeah, it's like the, the melancholy, melancholy overall is really there. And the nostalgia. And I feel like, it, like Nothing the happens. relationship between... Yeah, the, the the thing like between those two, I don't think like he's he's a bad parent. If like I'm God no, but like statement there. nothing in this film happens. Like I can't really tell you yeah. what happens in this film other than just little scenes and moments. It doesn't feel like it's a a story happening. It just feels like someone looking at their yeah. that their footage that they found, and that's interesting. That I can be so captivated yeah. at something so simple and just little moments like just you know, standing in a rug store all of a sudden, pointing at a rug, being yeah. like, yeah, that's pretty. And you're just like, what mm -hmm. is he going to say next? What is she going to say next? How is it going to evolve? Uh, because yeah. there's a lot of themes in this film of, I guess, uh, identity. That's a big one uh, mm. for both yeah. uh, Callum and Sophie trying to find themselves 
in this current place at that they're at as an 11 year old and i guess as a solo father who's trying to connect with his daughter yeah yeah there's just a lot of there's a lot of nothing here that ends up being a mm. lot of something and that's what i found interesting that i can't really tell you the story of this film in terms of plot but i can tell you the feeling you get when watching this film yeah i, I completely agreed it, it's one of those films that i'd love to have a look at the screenplay as well just because you you cannot like fathom what this movie is just from from this screenplay of it it is so much in the performances and it is incredible how how well that works the the chemistry between uh frankie uh what's the name frankie uh corio and paul mescal um is amazing like in the prep work i think they spent two weeks on in turkey um at that holiday destination together to kind of you know play off of each other and usually in with child actors you get some form of a stilted performance um because you are trying to get them to do like lines in a sense but or even here where you try to just go for a feeling and you're maybe a bit more free-flowing it is still so hard to work with uh an actress and i love paul mescal in this movie i think like there might be for me even a point where like Frankie Corio's performance more than him, and they're both like that amazing. Uh, it, it really is like a, a once in a lifetime film um, to me that uh, is is so touching in the nothingness of it all. Um, like this, I, I think I want to give like a general spoiler warning, but like we said, there's nothing really that happens in the film, and you feel like when you watch the film, you do get the the emotion evoked from it that we maybe describing if even if you haven't seen the film but like th there's moments like her jumping in the pool with like the older kids and it's like goes into um like underwater and she's like on her toes to kind of stand up to them and that could be a really dramatized moment of like she wants to be with these older kids but she's uh like not uh old enough but she's like smaller so she uh struggles to fit in and like that's all told visually it's like the quintessential thing of like show don't tell this movie does so incredibly perfectly uh and 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 yeah i i love it from beginning to end i don't know i, I should get more specific other than like i love it i love it i love it uh but um Lachlan, do you have any do you have any starting point because i'll, I'll just jump around <laughs> I'll I mean, there's not there's not really a, a part that I can just jump into because it's yeah. it's essentially just an entire from the start to the beginning is just this singular holiday that Callum and Sophie go on, and th I guess there's both ups and downs throughout the entire thing. Uh, yeah, I guess I want to praise the cinematography overall. Yeah. Uh, as you talked about, obviously the show don't tell aspect to how they essentially portray what they're trying to portray the story is just mainly just show don't tell a lot of these mm. shots are locked off they don't move they just sit there except for the camcorder home footage aspect and yeah. you, you don't feel like you're watching a film you feel like you're experience, experiencing it with them uh because there doesn't seem to be there's no advanced you know fucking one shot from the start to beginning mm. aspect to try to engage you with how realistic this story is. There's none of that. It's just mm -hmm. basic storytelling elements done extremely well. Uh, yeah. 
so that that that's really awesome. And as I said, you know, my only other film I watched this week was The Equalizer, which is mm-hmm. Hollywood, right? This is so yeah. opposite to Hollywood in the sense that it's not an action-packed drama Marvel movie MCU film. But and I'm jumping jumping the gun here a little bit with what with what I what I'm giving it. I gave it a five mm. stars. My first five stars of mm. 2023. Yeah, and that's that's a powerful thing. That something so simple, so basic, and also you know not heck of a long film. It's 102 minutes or something like that. I think. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, 102 minutes. Yeah. But it's such a powerful engagement of just raw emotion and a human spirit and connection that you just fall in love with it and you're just like yeah this is this this film film is fucking awesome yeah it is moving and it's it's also hard to pinpoint because i i recently watched it with my family um and to them i guess it like it came in similar to i guess how you must have gone in with my praise my love for it and we watched it and I think both of them, um, my, my mother and my brother, were like on, on the edge because they, they felt like something dramatic was going to happen. Like, some of, uh, like one of them is going to die. Like something's yeah. happening, which ultimately, I, I, like, I guess that, that, that is happening, but it's not happening on screen. That's, that's not yeah. at all what this is about. This is a holiday and it's about her remembering her dad. That's all this movie is. And it is, that, that is profoundly beautiful. It's really moving that it's not like dramatizing certain, um, yeah, aspects of, of, I guess, her uh, trauma that she has um, from, I guess, you know, her, her dad soon after passing away. Um, to, to me, this movie has one of the best endings in, in any movie ever. Uh, I loved The Fablemans last year. I think this stomps it. It, it just had me um bawling my eyes out for <laughs> at the second half at some point in the second half of the film on i think my second watch of it i was just crying and i could not stop crying uh because it it, it just evoked something on, on me um in me and it's um for, for me it's a really personal film as well so i i, I think i shouldn't share too much but i got like for me it, it hit on a lot of uh fronts uh that it's a scottish film <laughs> You know, they, they talk in a Scottish way, which I'm familiar with. And um, uh, my, like, I, I was pretty similar in age to uh, Sophie when my dad passed away. So for me, it like, I, I like held down a lot of certain feelings that go with like memories. Because as you experience it as a kid, I think when you lose someone that's that close to you early in your life, a lot of it is just because you're so young, time moves so fast, you move on. And like you have something like a camcorder that brings you back to it. It just uh, slowly bubbles up and just erupts as well when you are more mature, when you are older. And for me, it completely did that. I also recently had like someone give me a bunch of footage uh, that I had never seen of, of my dad. So like for me, this was really a cathartic movie and I, I cannot escape it. <laughs> and it also goes a long way that even if you don't have that exact same background or a similar background to me, that you can still attach to it because it has those overall just nostalgia, the melancholy is still so universal um, that, that like, I, f- I feel like pretty much everyone can take something really profound away from the film. 
And that, like, that to me is cinema. That to me is art. So the perfect representation of, of a really overall perfect movie to me. I, I really mm. love it. That's also, me oversharing. Direct, direct, Let's get back to music. Debut. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. How have we not talked about Charlotte Wells yet? That uh, it's also Wells. like somewhat Oof. autobiographical. Uh, although as soon as you you know cast someone, I think she talked about this as well. As soon as you cast someone, you make a story out of it. it it's not her at all anymore. It's not like you know. It's not the Fableman, Sp Steven Spielberg. It's more just like you know something similar. But she's not going for an autobiographical. Thing. it's mm. just you know something a similar story but yeah what what an opening what a crazy debut. right <laughs> yes i'm very How excited incredible. to see where charlotte goes from here uh this yeah. was spectacular uh in so many ways just uh just to kind of stand on your own two feet and be confident with what you're making especially to also have uh a24 uh, behind you is also mm -hmm. very very lucky because you could definitely have this film picked up yeah. by a different studio who are a bit more controlling and you mm. wouldn't have had the same film uh so yeah. having a24 produce this gives me enough confidence I that think, there's no yeah. director's cut because this is this is charlotte's vision this is yeah it's her vision I think what usually I can't really find the information and I don't remember when it wasn't gone. I think a lot of films go in without a distributor and they're probably not produced by A24, but because they're just a distributor, I think they pick them up, they buy them uh, right. and then do the distribution. Sure. So I think it's more like BFI and Screen Australia, but I like it's easily, sure. you know, then, then they're not there to produce it. But at the end of the day, you can't really, A24 can't be there that early you know, for mm. certain films, but it still gets the quality seal of them, like, taking them on. Um, yeah, uh, it's... Uh, to, to me, I think the soundtrack overall is also cool. amazing. The score... How their songs, uh, like, really fade out, out. To, just the, to just the words as well is... Yeah. Some of the... Because, like, you have, like, those scenes in here that are a bit, you know, artsy-fartsy with the, the flashing of lights and uh, yeah. the slowing down of songs or some very popular pop songs and then sometimes just cutting out all the music and just being the lyrics uh, of those songs it's just it, all of a sudden it makes you kind of just, just come in a little bit just you're trying to see what's happening on the screen and that's a very engaging yeah. uh way of getting the audience to i guess move closer sit forward at the edge of their seats because i agree with your uh mm. family's comments on something was about to happen i felt like something was building uh, and nothing ever happens, yeah. and I can kind of get that, and I feel like it's those moments that draw you in, and that's why it feels like mm -hmm. something building, because there's these small moments, such as the flashing scenes, or just these kind of, uh, you know, you know, like the, 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 the silence is powerful kind of thing, where, you know, if someone yeah. doesn't respond to you, the silence is, the, is more powerful than saying something. There's those moments mm -hmm. in this film as well that make you kind of go, are they going to say something? Is, 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 Callum going to say something, is Sophie going to say something, and you're getting closer and closer yeah. to the screen, and then eventually there's sort of no release of that tension. Um, but no, those the, the, yeah. the, the soundtrack is insane. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like what I really enjoy about it is that the soundtrack is really obvious. It, it goes like, you know, um, you're under pressure, or the, like, what, what's the lyric in, One, in that? One, the two, uh, as well? Macarena. Last Dance. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, that's obviously narratively really important. 
Um, but even I think to karaoke, I, I'm blanking on what actually other words to the song, but losing it's like, my religion, REM. It, you got that nailed down. I'm really bad at like recollecting music. That's like words, one of my basically... karaoke songs. <laughs> oh, okay, well, you you would have gone up there to help her <laughs> sing it with her. Uh, but it's um, it's also I think a bit about like she sings about like I I need your support or something like that. And she's not getting it in the moment. So I feel like the the musical moments are where Charlotte Wells is able to like draw a lot of the obvious um, stuff that the characters are not able to say. There's the Sophie quote where she goes like, I, it, I think it's nice that we share the same sky. And you can see that Callum is kind of stunted with a lot of the stuff that she brings up to him, where in a lot of the conversation, Sophie is, is driving. It's a driving force. And I think he's just filled up to the brim, brim with anxiety, with his depression, and with everything that he tries to hold back and not show her all the hurt that he has. Um, and it, it slowly like comes through in, in certain moments. Um, but then also just Sophie opening up as well. There's, there's one scene later on, it's, it's toward the end of the film, where um, he asked her if, if she has a good holiday, and she says, like, yeah, the best. Wish we could have stayed longer. And he goes like, mm, "Me too." She goes, uh, "Like, why can't we? Why can't we?" And <laughs> that became to me really meta as well because it is in the film itself. We want to stay here longer because we know something bad, in a sense, is going to happen. We'll have to leave this nostalgia, which had its ups and ups and downs, but it's still a place where both of them exist. And if we go back to real time into the reality, that's not the case anymore. You know, he's, he's not there. And it, it, I think it, it like leads to them dash and dining, um, leading into the dance and the last dance. And it's, it's beautiful. It's, it makes me, it's make, it makes me tear up <laughs> even a bit. Oh my God. It's, it's beautiful, that scene. Um, whew. What scene? Uh, did, I was yeah, listening to, me, to Losing My yeah. Religion on, on YouTube and I probably haven't been paying attention for the past minute and a half. Uh, that last moment that leads into the dance and then the ending, uh, I think it's it's like a couple of minutes of perfect perfect cinema. <laughs> it's it's Wow. So uh, but yeah. Perfect cinema. Um, uh, sorry, look, to, look to me, this is easily... Look, this is easily to me the best film of the decade. Um, wow. I don't know if it will be... Excuse overtaking. me? We're only yeah. three years in, not even two years and a couple of months. And you're saying it's the best film of the decade? Or are you saying from 2013 to 2020? No, no, no. Best best of the... I, I think that would take what? a bit more time to have a look have at, at the rest the of it. Have you seen the movies coming out in the future, Ewan? Are you, are you sure you want to say that? Well, it's the best of the decade so far. I'm not saying okay. that Bobby. Uh, I still have well, to I mean, wait you said for it's the best film. You said You said with a definite... Take me down a peg once I, um, I guess, uh, dethrone it. But to me, at the moment, this is the best film. I, 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 yeah. At this very moment in time, it's the best film of the decade. It's one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, Would you it's, say it's, it's better than... Uh, what's the closest <laughs> oh film on Letterboxd? Uh, yeah, Don't Look Up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. oh, which one? The one from the 70s? No, 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 don't look up. This is films from 2020s, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to oh, see okay. if there's any other better films. Would you say it's yeah, better no, I than... Yeah, no, I doubt it. This is, this, ooh, this might come close. Minari. 
Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Yeah. What about um? <laughs> Dude, there's no hesitation here. Uh. Uh. Okay. Uh. Tool. House of Gucci. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I love okay. it. I mean, Jared Leto. Yeah. I I feel like Paul Mescal might have been miscast. I would have loved to have seen uh, Jared Leto in this with like mm. young people makeup. You know, mm. he could play like a thirty-something-year-old and do a Scottish accent. Um, no, uh, to me, I don't know how much of that stays in because I almost teared up right there. But uh, like, there's there's just moments, uh, exchanges between these two that um, flow super well. The like score to it, it's it feels like, you know, the, we are like somewhere at the ocean in Turkey, uh, but the whole movie feels like it's it's an ebb and flow of like, I'm giving you, um, I'm sharing a bit more than I, I would maybe, or I'm holding back or I, it's, it's hard to describe uh, because like you said, there's not a lot of story stuff that you can attach to even on the character level. It is just these moments. Um, I'm... Like the cast where they like separated by the wall. She's not really aware completely of what's going on. Um, and he's like taking off his cast, cutting himself. There's like moments where he stands on the railing. <laughs> uh, like it's a really short shot looking at him up on the railing, just like stretching. And you can see that he's not really being careful uh, with, um, yeah, where he might have died in like in, in a, like suicide or just in an accident because he wasn't careful. Like, he goes scuba diving without having a license. Uh, he crosses the street without, like, really closely looking at, like, a bus that's coming. There's a whole bunch of, of that stuff. And um, ultimately, when he needs to show up for his daughter, he sometimes can't and sometimes can. Uh, it's just a, uh, like, deeply human movie that is flawed uh, in every sort of way, but also shines light on the beautiful... Uh, relationships that you have with the past, the present, and and the future, and um, it's a masterpiece, man. It's a masterpiece. I love it to death. Uh, my five star rating is probably higher than your five star rating, if that makes sense. We both shared our ratings already. It's uh, a five banger for the both of us. So go give it a try. I'd say if you are in the mind state, you know, of getting into it, similar to like Lachlan. So the next time you gotta do a podcast in six hours, go watch it. Uh, but that's that. Lachlan, double feature time. What would you pair alongside After Sun? You're gonna fucking hate me. Um, so here's how I got to the my equalizer. It's yeah. not the equalizer, but you're gonna love this. All right. After okay. Sun. After <laughs> Sun. I thought you're to not myself, going after Earth. No. What happens no. after the Sun? Well, yeah. you would want to reignite the sun which is okay. why i have picked the 2007 danny boyle directed alex garland written sunshine sunshine <laughs> i haven't even seen Murphy. it but it's uh, uh a team of film, international so. astronauts are sent on a dangerous mission to reignite the dying sun with a nuclear fission bomb in 2057. Mm -hmm. It's a good film. You should give it a watch. I, I'll try and give it a watch. For a minute, I was scared like you would tie into the new M. Night film, you know, with Knock at the Cabin. 
and you'd go with like, oh, what's something else other than sun? Let's go with After Earth. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm now kind of mad that. that I didn't think of After Earth. I was brainstorming <laughs> yeah. for a little bit and I wanted to keep with the sun thing, <laughs> but After Earth is also yeah. a very, yes, that's a very funny one. Well, on for me, one. other than uh, just go tell, uh, other than just like, you know, go watch After Sun again, I think something more lighthearted where ultimately the parents are fine, although they are in a state of peril. Uh, but it's basically just a mood movie that you can sit along and just uh, just have a good time of it. Is my neighbor Totoro. Uh, go watch that. Um, I'd say that's my preferred double feature. So you're coming down on the high emotions of After Sun and have something pleasant and easy to watch with my neighbor Totoro. Anyways, there's some new releases. Uh, Skinnamarink, a really small indie film that's been uh, making the rounds. Uh, it's like a, a film that's basically shot with no budget and they're just like looking at walls and it's supposedly just um, getting you in the feels of what it is like to be scared as a kid. Uh, that has been like quite successful in the states is coming to shutter then uh close my second favorite film of the year is out in limited release so go check your local theaters i know for me it will launch um this friday as well so go give that a try if you can then the big releases of the week are 80 for brady uh which i, I i'll definitely i don't know i probably skip out on this one um, but the bigger release is the new M. Night Shyamalan film, Knock at the Cabin, which uh, we might end up talking about next week. Uh, other than maybe we can sneak in close. Maybe I can uh, <laughs> get lucky to see it. I don't know if it releases in Australia, though. But um, lastly, there's an animated film called The Amazing Maurice that uh, I've seen. And I want to tell you, don't go see it if you have children. And you might consider, hey, there's a new animated film about a cat and rats, don't go see it. <laughs> don't go see it. It's horrible. It's one of the worst animated films I've seen in a long time. Uh, but that's it for the show this week. Uh, Lachlan and I will be back next week uh, with um, Knocking at the Cabin. So thanks so much for tuning in. Go watch After Sun. Go follow us on our socials. Uh, they are linked below in the description. Um, go participate in the Oscar predictions. You can win a year of Letterbox Pro. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Hi, right, bye bye. Is it bad if I just stare into the camera? Bye.